Let's do this thing. At Live from the Dutch Hall, we try to bring you quality entertainment every week here on the internet, live on the web. Um, but between dick jokes, Live from the Dutch Hall generally uh, likes to probably like um, say something, you know, like be somewhat of a, do something that's somewhat important, like say something that's on my mind. I'm trying to, I'm saying, I'm going on the air every week, so I might as well say something important once in a while, right? You yeah. Think? I think it's probably a good thing. You need to educate people once in a while. It's not all about laughs, right? <laughs> but does anyone care if you're not laughing? I guess. I don't know. Some people... Some. Um, <laughs> that's a great, that's a great yeah, line. Thanks. Yeah. It's great that we have a guest like this in today. This show is going to be fan-fucking-tastic. <laughs> Let's just do it. You better be better than that. <laughs> you ready? I guess so. Welcome back to Live from the Dutch Hall. Wow, what a crowd. What a crowd we have they today. They are hot tonight. They are hot tonight at Live from the Dutch Hall. We have, uh, we have, we don't know what we're calling this episode this week. We're just going to be going kind of by the seat of our pants. We're going to record it and then uh, name it afterwards. But today, I got to take a page out of uh, the advice I got, the feedback, if you will, from my uh, great cousin, Kevin Van Dyke, who said, you have guests on your show all the time. You never really boost them up. Uh, and really tell how great a guest they really are. And uh, today uh, is no exception. Uh, I want to try to make amends to my previous faults of having this gentleman on my show many times. Um, we have uh, a guy who I've known for quite some time as a, as a true uh, thinker and maybe uh, probably the smartest guy I know, to be honest with you, though horrible to look at, very unappealing to the eye. <laughs> But uh, nonetheless, I've, uh, I think that what we have, we've had him on the show before. We've had him all the time. He, you know him well. You know that music. That's the death metal rooster. That is uh, my good friend, Dave Charters. Uh, thank you very much for coming in again, Dave. Wow, what a nice intro. Thanks. Smart, eh? Yeah. You think I'm, you describe me as smart. I do describe you as smart. In fact, uh, I often talk, when I talk about people that are almost too smart, I often bring you up as the example and, de and describe the torture that I witnessed watching you grow up, <laughs> where uh, they tested you all the time. Eh? You were brought out of class and tested and tested again, right? That's, that's very true. I was probably like, I don't think I was productive as they would have liked uh, me to be, you know? They, they saw maybe I wasn't achieving the potential that they thought I could achieve. Yeah, like when they do those standardized testing, like to see if you're well, – or see what they're dealing with, I guess they want to kind of get everybody kind of on a grid so they can know how to treat them for the rest of their uh, school career. And uh, they kept testing you, and you did really well. And uh, But then you sucked at school. Like you sucked at it, yeah, right? Yeah, I always liked doing those tests, though. They were always a lot of fun. Yeah, because it was puzzles. It was something that actually interested you. Yeah. It was like – it's like uh, – all those useless tricks that you'd learn in the bar when we, you know, like bar tricks and shitty, like little, like, uh, 
whatever you could think that was just something that en- interested you, you'd focus on it and always do well at it. Like if you needed, if you wanted to juggle, you'd juggle. Like yeah. if you wanted to you'd ride a unicycle, you'd ride a unicycle, right? But if you want, if they wanted you to write an essay about to kill a mockingbird, you was like, go fuck yourself. I right? didn't really like. <laughs> I didn't really see the point. <laughs> and I never really liked to read. For well, one thing. But you read now, don't you? No, not really. Nonfiction. No. The internet? I don't like to. I actually find when I start reading that about three lines in, I I get kind of like distracted. And I realize I'm not even, I'm looking at whatever it is, but I'm not actually reading it. I'm thinking about something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh. then I just put it away. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I have the same problem. Yeah, you got like three or four trains of thought going on at one time. And you're like, you realize that you're reading those words, but you're not paying attention to them at all. Yeah, that's and right. And you've been like 10 pages. I'm flipping them, but I don't know what the what the hell I just read, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I find the same thing. My kids have to do, I, when they do their like reading in school or whatever, one of the things they have to do is like a retell or something like that, where it proves that they like, you know, soaked up what they're reading. Right. But I, I don't, I couldn't do that, I don't think. No, because I didn't soak it up. It would take me. It takes me a friggin' year to read a book because I have to keep rereading it all the time and just concentrate. You know, like I say, pay attention. I wanted to read all the, like the um, the old classics because I knew I didn't read very much. So I said, well, when I do take the time to read a book I'll, of fiction, because I don't read fiction, I read like nonfiction. I like things that really happen, like things I can use to actually try to live my life better or something. You know, like something that makes sense to me. Not, fiction to me is a waste of time. It's just like pissing in the wind. You know, like you're not really getting anything from it and uh my wife and my daughter are huge readers so they 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 tell me it's because it's it's entertainment they don't understand how i don't understand it you know it's like dancing they watch those dancing programs on tv i don't get dancing like i don't understand it it's just like figure skating you know it's all just excuses for young girls to show their crotch a lot of times but (laughs) i don't understand how that's appropriate i just feel creepy all the time watching it it's never really really entertainment appreciating the art you're just uh Looking for a camel toe or something all the time. Yeah, I'm just hoping their nipples are hard. (laughs) I'm just creepy, right? I'm just creepy. (laughs) And that's the thing. uh, I can't help that part of myself. It just comes out from time to time. And I was having trouble booking this week. No offense to you, Dave, because you're a great guest to have in. But I was having trouble uh, coming up with a show idea this week. I was kind of distracted because I was taking care of kind of like show business, but I wasn't um, concentrating on the content too much. So I, at one point, I put out a... um, a call on Twitter and Facebook for people to uh, help. If you have any show ideas or anyone's willing to come in as a guest, I would take them because I was just coming short on ideas. And I did have one response from a listener, and uh, I couldn't figure out because it's creepy factor, I think, or because something's wrong with me. I just couldn't get my head around how I could make it so I didn't come across like a real creep. Um, because it's uh, well, it's hard for you not to come across as a creep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a natural thing. You, you know, I'm a good guy uh, most of the time, or like I try to be. But the 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 I'm just curious. You see, you see things, and you wonder. And I I just go back to the, like the kind of the I kind of look at uh, dirty things like kind of with a like a innocent eye. I think like as I I haven't had much experience myself with all, anything like that, so I just always kind of think that way but i never really have actually go that way so i'm harmless but i'm still creepy nonetheless <laughs> so but this isn't really a creepy story i mean it's just uh i'll get into why i think it might have could have been creepy but uh i got feedback from or a, a real nice message from a listener of mine whose son uh, uh brent 
Brett Sherman is his name. He's a, he's from Delhi, Ontario, and he is a f- young filmmaker, 16 years old. Oh wow! And he uh, he is making he's made a 40 minute movie, a, a horror movie, I believe. Not horror, but horror, horror, <laughs> <laughs> horror with an H. And uh, he's uh, I guess actually my niece actually recorded a song for the film too, Maddie Ball. And uh, so anyways, this young man has been uh, working on his craft, trying to become a great filmmaker. And he's uh, got this 40-minute movie that he's going to be premiering at the Simcoe Strand. And you can get tickets if you go to Brett's Movies on Facebook. I think that's uh, Brett's Movies with a Z. He's actually... Or Z for my American listeners. It's going to play in a real movie theater. Yeah, it's playing on uh, Friday. Well, let me see here. I'll get the dates for you. It's on... um, Sunday, September 7th, and again on Saturday, September 13th, he's going to be doing this, uh, uh, selling tickets for it. If you want to get tickets, uh, you know, reach out to Brett's Movies with a Z on, uh, or Z on Facebook, and uh, he'll get you movies. And he's going to take the money he makes from this movie on the sales of, for the ticket sales and DVD sales, and he's going to uh, invest that money in making his first full-length motion picture, which he'd like to enter into film festivals for his next project. So oh, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, it's just uh, I thought I didn't couldn't figure out how I could take a young filmmaker like that at, at a young age, and when, when my show gets a little, um, you know, some of my most of my laughs are from like you know most of the. There's a bit of a raunch factor, I guess. It's a little or, raunchy uh, sometimes, yeah. right? So then you don't think that uh, that uh, you know when you get in a kid at 16 impressionable and stuff like that. How am I going to freaking clean up the Dutch Hall to, to make this work? And uh, I did it. Right. With, I did it with Lucas Wilson. I guess I kept it clean and everything, but I just couldn't figure it out in the time that I had to think about it. Maybe uh, I will still get him in, but I I wanted to still mention it before uh, September the seventh, so people get tickets and support this young kid and help him uh, help him out to build his craft. So yeah, good for him. That's great when you see someone young like that, passionate and uh, like sounds like he's got a real vision. You know, right? That's awesome. Right. Yeah. So uh, let me see here. I just make sure it's they got the right thing. Yeah, Brett's movies. It's B R E T T S movie with a Z on on Facebook. You can get those tickets. So, thank you very much, and I applaud Brett Sherman. <laughs> All right, that's it. So that's it, Charters. Eh? Good for Brett. All right. So I was thinking a lot about the show this week because I said I was kind of getting into kind of the business of the show, and one of the things I was thinking about the live from the Dutch Hall program. Is what is it like? People ask me sometimes. They're like, Pete, what, uh, what's your show about? And I have no idea how to answer that question. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It's me sitting around in my shed, and once in a while we come up with something that we hit on some. I don't even know. It's different every time. I mean, I, we have music sometimes, and we have uh, just people I find interesting. I don't know how to define the show. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's not really about anything, something or anything. It's which is like the primary rule if you read about podcasts on the internet, if you read about like what you should do to make your podcast successful, the one thing they say is uh, figure out what your show's about. And the more specific you are, the more you will interest, like you can tap into the community that finds your particular thing that you're going to spout off on interesting, right? But I don't have anything that's like, <laughs> that's like that, right? But so I know I could focus on one thing or whatever, but then I think I would be pissing off most of my audience like the audience i built to this point yeah. just likes the fact that it's what it is you know like that it's not any it's it's not anything different than what it is right you know it's what I mean? kind of about not uh, it's like it's about 
kind of like just life, you know, just ever, just what happens. It's just about what happens in your life. There's a lot of good stories that come out. Right. They're always different. You know, you know what I think, uh, you know what I think um, that, I don't know. I'm trying to get, I like that when I get feedback from people because uh, you can kind of figure out why they're listening to your show. But uh, what I, what I think that, uh, that, that I do that, I, where this show's different than any other show that I've listened to. Cause I listen to a bunch of podcasts cause I try to figure out, you know, where I stand, like how my show measures up or whatever. And uh, I find that I don't ever listen to one who, who has a voice that's coming from the perspective that this one is, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you see a lot of them from like, um, New York or, or Los Angeles or, you know, the bigger centers. And there's a lot of people in the, the cities and they're well represented voices as far as the issues that concern the big populations in the city or whatever. Yeah. But the, you don't really hear that many people's voices coming from the middle of butt fuck nowhere, you know, that's that are right. just, uh, trying to get on with their life and do, you know, do the day-to-day things to try to like figure out what's the right way to live, you know, like what's the, you know, people aren't, that aren't uh, trying to live the, you know, that aren't consorting with the the, regular people. Yeah. Just regular people, not the bullshit celebrity crap or the, you know, all the frilly bullshit that people get all excited about because this person's got a publicist or whatever, but, and and you get, you're told what to think about them. You know, I'm just talking about regular people that just are trying to like what figure I, out how they can still be happy and, and, and take care of their kids and not get a divorce, you know? <laughs> what I've noticed about a lot of the most popular podcasts is that a lot of those people putting on those shows already have an established something that they're doing that's not the podcast. And then they see this podcast as another avenue to, you know, get get their whatever it is they do out there like yeah yeah they've already done something that made them famous maybe famous isn't the right word but you know recognizable or something and then uh and then they use this as the people who are their fans already will go and listen to their podcast because they yeah they know they're they're notable already right right like they're 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 people that follow their their uh uh, stand-up career or the, or they follow their magic career or their right or their wrestling career or wrestling or whatever it is And uh, for me, it's like no one followed my banking career (laughs) 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 or gave a shit about it, right? Like, nor should they, you know, and even so that always makes me wonder why they should give a shit about this one, right? (laughs) Well, that's what makes it unique. It's not like, I don't think it's like anything else out there. Yeah, well, maybe you're, I think you might be right. But, uh, well, that kind of... Let's just lead it out this into feedback. We'll get feedback. We got feedback, then we'll go into our bits, all right? Yeah. What do we got here? Um, fuck. That's it. We got feedback. Feedback. Well, welcome to Feedback. We got feedback, everybody. This week's Feedback We Got Feedback is brought to you by Amazon.com and Amazon.ca. If you go to Live from the Dutch Hall, just click the Amazon banner if you're buying stuff from Amazon. But do it first. I don't know. I know you guys are supporting me, and then some of the things aren't coming through. I'm finding out from listeners. So um, just make sure you click on the – go on my website first, click on the Amazon banner, and then do your shopping at that point. Um, and I think that it will work. Thank you very much for everyone that has supported me. Um, this week, we welcome our listeners from um, – oh, shoot – we listen from Port Dover, Ontario, from Broadstairs, UK, from Port Elgin, Ontario, from Altenstadt, Germany. Nein, 
Germans. And uh, yes, we have one from Antalya, Turkey. Gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> Would you listen? You know what show they listen to? They listen to uh, my Friday or my yeah my Friday the Thirteenth solo show, which was one of my saddest oh, moments really? in the world. But that's the one the guy from Turkey listened to. So I thought that was really in- interesting. And our last listener was from Reynosa, Mexico. Well, thank you very much uh, to all of our new listeners from all over the world. Let's hear it. There you go, crowd. I don't know why you're sitting on your hands or what. That's great. Every week there seems to be a new country added to the listenership. Yeah, what's nice That's is awesome. that when you look at your stats or whatever, they have a map now. So you can see what how the map's oh, cool. filling in. So yeah. you got like all the countries are filling in from, from all over and starting to get more and more filled in. So it's pretty neat. Like what's nice about doing this show and then the thing is when you're saying – you got to find your audience, and sometimes you know it's pretty obscure how you can find them. But you, what the internet lets you do is cast a huge net. You know, you never know what you're going to pull in. That's right. And how many people? And it's funny. Sometimes you'll see them like they listen to one episode, and the next thing you know, they've downloaded, you know, all the rest of them because they because they've subscribed or whatever. So I just want to remind yeah, people cool. that you do get a few benefits of subscribing. Like more more of the older episodes will show up in in your um, in your a browser or your podcast app or whatever you're using. And uh, so please subscribe if you can. And also please uh, tell a friend if you're enjoying the show, tell a friend and, and hopefully we can spread the word and get more people listening to the program. So feedback, we got feedback this week. Every week we get feedback and uh, this week's no different. Last week uh, we did California Dreaming with our good friends uh, Mark and Sonia Rowan who visited from California. What a great time that was. Yeah, it was an excellent episode and a lot of fun. And we started out with uh, the LS uh, challenge, and I got to admit, uh, I think uh, most of our feedback was from uh, how people's reaction to the YouTube video, uh, to when they can see, or even from the program where they were really taken aback by the amount of pleasure <laughs> that my friend, uh, old Dave Charters, uh, took from pouring that cold water on me. And I actually was a bit surprised by it too. Number one, I was very angry. By the amount of time it took you to dump a fucking bucket on my head, you like can just, tell when you listen and when you watch because you're like begging me to just make, just do it, just make it stop. You're Why? trickling water <laughs> on my, on my, just pour the goddamn bucket on me. Anyway, that's great. I'm glad that that's immortalized forever on the internet because uh, <laughs> this is really one of my. Uh, was a real highlight in my life. So. <laughs> I must really impress you. Like it must be like one of these things where you really get. Uh, are you that you've been really traumatized by the years of abuse from me or something that you really took that much pleasure? Yeah, I can't explain it, but it was certainly satisfying. Well, you know what sure I might was. do once a year. I'll let you somehow uh, do something to punish me for whatever <laughs> I did to you <laughs> the previous year. <laughs> Maybe we'll make that a tradition. But that was. Uh, the one thing I forgot to do with the ALS challenge, and um, can we honestly say with this ALS challenge, like enough is enough? Like, is it like it at what is point really time, quite a deal, isn't it? Like, honestly, like everything's got to be fucking bucket challenges. Like, yeah. if you put out a video of yourself getting a bucket over your head anymore, unless you're like a really cute kid or like a, you know, there's some sort of some sort of ridiculous uh, fail or something that makes it hilarious. Yeah, who the fuck is gonna click on any of those links anymore? Like, it, it's just a, enough is enough. Dude. I don't, I don't, I know they raised a ton of money and it's a great thing, but like a, after a while, it's just like um, it's like a chain ladder, right? Yeah, it's just like I don't, I'm not gonna get bad luck. I'm not gonna, you know, it, it's I, insane. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, Facebook was like Robin Williams' book. 
And then <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. now and then last week it's the ALS book. You know what's going to be next? I don't know. Like maybe they'll care about something important one day. <laughs> To go back to the beginning, right? Maybe actually they'll care about something that's going on in the world that's actually somewhat important. I mean, we we don't focus on it enough, but uh, you know, like, there's a lot of shit that's really going on that's bad in the world right now. Like ISIS is scary as fuck. Like that is a really scary thing. Yeah. They they were showing how they're like uh, taking children and te- like training them from a young age. They had this one kid who was uh, taken out of ISIS at 13. I saw him on the news today. Uh, or he was started with ISIS at 13, and he was he uh, managed to escape it. And he was saying how one of his friends, when he first started, was uh, martyred, like was killed, wow. um, as a 13 year old boy, like in, in the name of this these uh, this group that's just spreading like hatred to the inf- like death to the infidels. Which I had to explain to my daughter today was me, like was us, like we are the infidels, right? Yeah. I'm like I don't feel like an infidel. Like I just I think I'm trying to be a good guy, you know. And then all of a sudden. There's people that want to kill you out there, you know? It's hard to understand their perspective, you know? They don't... They're not sitting in their Dutch hall with headphones on recording a podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, well, you'd love to have them in to hear her because I don't understand. But you know what? There is... the, the thing. That's the thing about cultural differences. Like, when you're when you're in another part of the world, uh, you know, and you have, you've got a different sort of, like, brainwashing that you've been uh, exposed to and, you know, you've you've been formed in a certain way. You don't know how to think any differently because you don't know what you don't know, you know? Yeah. And so that for us to say like, well, we think logically that this is right or wrong. Like people should all be allowed. If you've been told your whole life that there's this great evil in the world that you don't even, you haven't even really been exposed to. And then you uh, buy into the propaganda that this is all evil and we're all out to get you. And there is certain, there's ele- some greater good. I'm sure that they're, they're selling it as, you know, that, Obviously, it's it's the right thing to do somehow. They're justifying it morally somehow. Like, yeah, yeah. Like they think of it as being they're doing. They are on the side of good, right? Yeah. And they don't see the other side of it at all. And to be honest with you, if you look at any group, like if you look at that group, or you look at the Canadian or American government, and you look at the amount of uh, decisions that are made that aren't made in the best interest of humans. There's a lot of instances where we come across evil too, you know, but it's just we don't hear the news criticizing our decisions that are anti-human. Yeah, that's right. You know, and there are a lot of things that are done which affect people deeply. I always think that, um, I always think that, you know, we had a, I had a conversation this week with someone that works for a bank and um, they they said to me how, I, we were talking about how um, credit card debt is is out of control. And I said, if you could ever, if you can minimize the amount of interest you pay or the amount of tax you pay, you don't really need to make as much money to, to, to live a nice life, right? If you can minimize your taxes and minimize your um, interest, right? Yeah. Because those are huge traps that you can get into, right? Well, taxes, especially in this country, it's a ridiculous percentage of what oh, you man. bring in. If you make $100,000 a year, like you're lucky to see by the time, if you could factor in sales tax and gas tax and all the rest of the taxes we get paid, you're in Ontario, where where I live, you're lucky to pay. You're lucky to see out of a hundred thousand, you'd be lucky to see thirty of it. Yeah, you'd be lucky to see thirty. That's of it. It's actual right? dollars spent on goods or right. whatever. And then if you were to, if you were to own your own business, and uh, own, and uh, incur a lot of those costs within your business, where you're not putting them, you're not. Uh, uh, paying them after tax, 
you get forever like you're basically getting a lot of that money back like at least 50 like lot some a lot of times 50% of it back uh that you could you spend it before you spend your money before tax rather than after tax you know and that's a huge amount of savings and interest is the other one like interest for me is uh is a huge one if you can minimize if you use the products that are available to you and people are giving out credit like crazy in the world um you really shouldn't have to pay interest. You should be able to pay your balances off on your visa with lower, at least lower interest products and stuff like that. And uh, what the banks do is they don't tell people that because they have a vested interest in getting the money from the visa. So what they should do is say, if you've got like, say, a $20,000 balance on your visa and then you don't revolve it and it ends up just being like sunk debt, you know, you're never going to freaking pay that off. You're going to pay 22% a month or whatever it is or, and you're going to um, just keep that debt like a freaking weight around your neck forever and ever on oh, man yeah. you're just gonna be lucky to keep up on the interest of it yeah. the, the banks as a responsibility of knowing more than the customers that they serve should be able to say to people don't like let's term out that product you're not going to pay it back yeah. instead of paying 22 percent, let's put it in a line of credit and pay five percent on it or eight percent even but at least at least you're not saddled with that debt and the banks won't touch it unless it's their own credit card and the customer comes to them first because they have a they have a mandate they to make more money and they make more money on the credit card than they do on the line of credit and even though it it it, it hurts their customer and it bankrupts them and puts them in a worse position because of the corporate structure making more money every quarter yeah. it at, helps the shareholders it helps the shareholders and then the way even though they have good people that work in those banks that want to do what's best for their customers and stuff like that the structure itself by its nature, is meant to screw that that person to take more money from from the people who need the help of the experts, the people that don't have the own financial savvy to be able to yep. recognize those pitfalls. That's where we should be taking care of them. Where the smarter the people that know more should be taking care of the people that know less, and instead we prey on them and take their money because they know less, and that's terrible. And the governments don't step in and do anything about that. And the corporations are allowed to continue to do this. And and that really is a – that's what I talked about at the beginning of the show. we got to yeah. tell a dick joke now yeah, so that we can, right. we can get over it. But that is the important part. Yeah. That's what I really do believe. And then we got – what do we want to talk about? It's an injustice. You know, you're just talking about uh, ISIS there. And yeah. That's, this is – it's the same thing. If you look at what we did – first world nation. Yeah. We're, we're, we, we think we're perfect. Yeah, it's but, evil. But, but if you really want to spin that, you can say, like, we're preying on the people. People keeping the poor poor and making the and the rich get richer, you know. And that if you look at that sort of like capitalist model where the the motivation is money and everyone's addicted to money, right? Then that's what's going to happen. And if you're from the outside looking at that structure and you don't buy into it, it's evil. Like it's just not it's yeah. not human. It's not it's not made for the benefit of of humanity. It's meant to to separate and class people and and you know. And uh, I think that I don't have a solution for it. I'm just saying it's not, you know, I can, you, yeah. if you have anything in perspective, you kind of get the reaction that, the, that these people have, of course, horrible and wrong. I mean, there's no one can defend ISIS. I'm not, and I'm not yeah. suggesting that at all, but it's pretty brutal and, and it's, it's widespread. It scares the shit out of you. When you watch the news and you watch what they're saying about these groups, it scares the shit out of you. But so that's why if you dump a bucket of ice on your head on the Facebook, then maybe you're not paying attention to the fact that there are people that are trying to kill us, you know? Yeah. So maybe it's a good thing that they do that. 
This is still part of feedback? Oh, I didn't lay my listener of the week. Oh, yeah, we're still in feedback. The listener of the week uh, this week is, uh, and, and, and I'm going to, it's a, I'm going to name the listener of the week, but he's really not the only listener of the week this week. But the listener of the week is uh, my cousin and great supporter of the show, Kyle Van Dyke. Thank you, Kyle, for being a listener of the week. Now, Kyle Van Dyke, he's a he's always been a guy that I can call up when I when I and then this week there's no exception. I was having trouble thinking of what I was going to do for the show, so I called up Kyle Van Dyke and I was or I no, I sorry, I texted him, and he's in the middle of uh, harvest. This is the big. Big time of year for all the farmers out there. And I'd like to actually dedicate this entire program to the uh, people that are right in the middle of harvest, having kill alarms go off and uh, oh, yeah. coolers and 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 uh, machinery break down in this the middle. This is the of- apex right now. I, I ran under a couple of irrigation guns on the way here because, you know, it's been dry for a bit. Yeah. And they have a polar vortex looming in the September that they're talking oh, yeah. could bring snow to this region and, 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 and you know. Generally in this area, frost is a killer, and we haven't had a big frost in a long time. And no, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx anything. But um, normally we can get the frost into October, and we can have like still our fresh market vegetables still being harvested right into October, even and tobacco and ginseng and all that stuff. You know, it, it needs an extra month of growing, and if we have an end in September, it could be just devastating. So yeah. I think everyone's kind of like worried about it because they say it's coming. So. This crazy weather this year, right? Eh? Yeah, it's been it's been nuts. It has been like seri- global warming, eh? That's what I it don't is. Know. Why is it cold then? Why has it been? <laughs> I know that like, John Stewart's on no. the Daily Show saying like everyone, all the li- all like this. I don't know if I'm liberal or conservative. I don't know where I fall and all that stuff. But I'm just saying that uh, the ultra liberals, if you try to like even ask about science, well, global warming because they don't even call it global warming really. They call it climate change, but there's yeah, climate change, and and then they talk about people who uh, denying climate change, and and they talk about them like they're uh, they're bad people. And I will be the first one to say that you can't deny climate change. Yes. Climate changes. The climate's been changing for eons right, on right. this planet. Right, it just happens. Right. The problem is, and then we had uh, one time with uh, my old company I worked for. We had a, a customer appreciation. Have I told us on the air before? And then they. Uh, I don't know. We had a customer appreciation night, and we had a guy from Greenpeace come and speak to us. And I wish I could remember the guy's name because he was he was awesome. And I actually thought we also had Mark Tewksbury, a great a Canadian gold medalist in the backstroke, right? And a great uh, uh, maybe a world record holder too. I'm not sure, but Tewksbury, Tewksbury, you know Tewksbury? No. Anyway, Mark Tewksbury, he was a I don't know, it was 88 Olympics or something. I think he won a gold medal or a couple gold medals in the backstroke, right? Is that when Greg Luganis hit the diving board? Yeah, it was Greg Luganis at the diving board. Big, big Olympics for the homosexual oh, yeah. community yeah. Uh, uh, as far as uh, talking points. This guy, uh, so this is for a farm, uh, farm organization. Like we were farm lenders, right? So we did all stuff for agriculture. And our first bill was uh, a guy from Greenpeace and Mark Tewksbury. He was, uh, I, I believe, he was an out of the closet uh, homosexual, right? And uh, I don't want to. Which I think is fine, but I, I was saying from my my bias of what the agriculture community t- stereotypically is known for is not their tolerance of the homosexual community and environmentalists. Those are the two two those are two things that I remember hearing ignorant <laughs> farmers spouting off on many yeah. times, right? Yeah, and uh, especially in this neck of the woods. So I'm like, great bill, guys. We got a we got a real lineup of people that are going to be like hated by the by these like by narrow minded. Uh, producers i thought right but i couldn't be more wrong actually it was um 
both of them are great speakers. And the guy from Greenpeace in, in particular, um, he, he spoke, he was the, one of the, the founders of Greenpeace and it was, I think a botanist by, by, um, profession. And, uh, he said he was big on like the whale hunts and stuff like that in the seventies and when they were going, when they were uh, trying to protect the whales and doing some real, uh, radical stuff they thought and, but really gaining uh, attention, some, some issues that they felt were important. And he said, uh, somewhere, I think in the eighties, um, a lot of these people started coming in, like they were more like environmental terrorists and they started to, um, they had the emotion, they were caught up in the emotion of the environmental movement, but they weren't, um, they didn't uh, pay attention to the science of it. And, and he said, and he, he brought scientific evidence to support his argument, which is that, um, the climate was warming and he said, there's, there's not enough data really to support that. It's, um, what, can, what can we have a hundred years of data or something like that. Yeah. Well, he said we have built, he said we have billions of years. If you look at certain things, like, and you look at it, there's cycles and things went up and down. We can tell from like, uh, geology and stuff like that, how, uh, the temperatures got warmer and colder and there's a certain amount of heating and cooling that happens with the planet over time. And there's the cycles. And then he said, but there's no real evidence to say it's a warming trend. If anything, if you look at the last few years at this point in time, he says there could be an argument to support that we're on the, we're actually cooling a bit. Yeah. And, uh, he said, we have definitely gone through a warming period, but we may be at the tail end of it. He said, but what we can't deny is the fact that humans are, are having impact on the world in a negative fashion. And their, our carbon emissions are, are, uh, out of hand, you know, and we have to do something about it because it's not, healthy for the planet. But so the, the, the end goal is the same for these people. Right. But, the he says, you have to come about it from an actual scientific standpoint and controlling the things you can control rather than just selling the fear based around whatever you think. Right. And, um, and I think that that was a really interesting perspective that you got from this guy. And he actually made an example, which I thought was fascinating about there's this, uh, there was a vitamin, a lot of kids in India that were going blind because uh, they were having uh, vitamin B deficiencies, and because uh, most of their uh, diet was just white rice, like it was just w rice. That's all they could afford to eat. Yeah. It was a poor, poor population. And so they had this uh, genetic anomaly in the rice that made it golden. Like it was a naturally occurring gen genetic mutation or whatever in this rice that made it golden. But what was neat about it was that the golden rice strain carried the vitamin. Uh, I think it was D, a D or B, B, I think, whatever the color make it up. that made it. Yeah. I'll just make it up. <laughs> Research is hard. So he goes, uh, he says, uh, um, that this, it was a dominant trait. So when you, when you introduce golden rice into a white rice, it, it would eventually take over and all the whites would become rice would become golden rice. Yeah. Right. And so he says, it's perfect. It's just like something that occurred as a genetic abnormality, but it actually benefited everybody. If you introduce this as a dominant strain, it would take over and everybody, we would eliminate a lot of these uh, ocular health problems that they were having in India, right? Well, Greenpeace caught wind of it and burned down these fields of golden rice because it was seen as genetic modification and they right. said it was evil, but th they didn't have their their yeah. Fact straight, or they weren't thinking of the human, right? The human component to it, which is actually that it's helping people. Like our innovation or whatever we've done has actually right. is going to save lives and improve people's quality of life. Well, it doesn't matter because it's not based on their whatever they feel and their emotional state 
of what the environment should, you know, like yeah. what they should do. It's which is basically like terrorism, you know, it's just basically holding their ideas hostage over everyone That's else, right. you know, like or holding everyone else's ideas hostage because they don't like, they don't agree with it. They're going to burn it down. Like, uh, it, so he, he denounced re- Greenpeace and it really was kind of like spouting off, even though he's still a great environmentalist, you know, he spouted off with that. The thing about environmentalists and, and the whole environmental movement to me is I think about it, you can pick any species on the planet, I think. Humans as a species, yeah. any species, you know, has an impact on their environment. Maybe it, it might be a, a small, you know, marsh or whatever they live in, but they're going to have an impact on their environment. And when, when the, you know, the population gets out of control or something, maybe they, they overeat or they, they ruin their small environment. And then it has an effect on their population because the, their environment can't support them anymore. So the population dies off. I don't think humans are any different and the environmental talking about saving the planet and stuff is kind of silly. I think the planet will save itself. It's about saving humanity. Right. And about, about, uh, that's what, that's what it should be about preserving our species. Like the, the things we're doing to the planet are having an impact. I'm sure. But right. Right. Eventually the planet's just going to say, fuck you. Yeah. And and then our species is going to suffer. Yeah, yeah, that's what this guy's point was too. He says that they're actually anti-human. He found that Greenpeace was anti-human, and I said, "Well, that sounds like ridiculous when you hear it as a statement, like a bold face statement." Green uh, Greenpeace is anti-human. Well, they seem like good people. They're like these like tree hugging. Yeah, that's not what you think of when you hear Greenpeace, right? Yeah, they're hippies. Like they're those, these are the yeah. the free the love and free love bullshit, right? All that stuff. They're like supposed to be like the patchouli smelling. Do-gooders, right? And then, uh, but if you think about it, they are. I mean, because they're they're putting the planet above people and even animal lovers. I find that with PETA and stuff like that. Yeah. PETA will put animals above people, and and their their point is that well, animals can't speak for themselves, and people can, right? But there is a lot of people who can't, and that's the thing that I think we miss is that yep. the vast majority of the population is not along for the ride. Like they they, they are not making decisions and they're not controlling their own fate they are accepting what's given to them they're like being kind of victims to whatever hand they're dealt yeah that actually brings me up to a story we might be able to go into that story oh, yeah which one the one about southwest airlines uh, there's a story about southwest airlines that um left an 85 year old passenger <laughs> they lost an 85 year old passenger right yeah this is a good one so there's a woman um, she lives in Denver, Colorado. Uh, let me just see if I can bring this story up here. Actually, I don't have it. Yeah, I got it right here. Denver family. They're very angry because, the, uh, their mu- the aging diabetic and slightly forgetful mother was misplaced at the airport by airport staff. Do you like, so the, the woman was, uh, visiting her daughter in New Jersey in Newark, I think. And, uh, she, she, uh, the daughter brought her to security. They were able to take her right to security. But then after that, she had to get taken by one of these like representatives who put her in a wheelchair and wheeled her to the Southwest, um, gate and left her there for 11 hours. <laughs> she, <laughs> she missed her flight. She's a diabetic. She wasn't fed any food. And, uh, when they yeah. asked, when they asked the woman, uh, what they thought was going to happen to her, she thought, 
I thought it was going to stay there forever. Yeah. Forever, right? Yeah. So I think about this woman, and they showed her in the... Uh, there's some a, good quotes here. She pushed me there and left me. I was just sitting all day in a wheelchair. Now, at what point in time, and I know the woman's 85 or approaching 85 years old, or 85 years young, if you'd like, right? <laughs> And, but I saw her in the interview. She seemed fairly with it. For 11 hours, she didn't have any moments of clarity where she could say, what the fuck is going on here? I've been sitting here for 10 hours. Like, at no point in time did she say, I'm going to take control of the situation, even from a fucking wheelchair. If I'm sitting in a wheelchair, I don't care if I'm 100 years old. At some point in time, I'm going to have, like, five minutes of clarity where I'm going to say, hey, I'm sitting in a fucking chair here. Like, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I got to go to the washroom. Like, a million, in 11 hours, a lot of things yeah. are going to happen. You don't open your mouth once. To, it's an airport. There's people looking at you sitting there. Does nobody go to you and say, what's up with you, woman? Like, yeah. And, That's the other thing. All the people that in that 11 hours that went through that gate. And never helped the poor woman. Like, it was a... It was a colossal, like, just example of how people don't give a shit about pe yeah. people, you know? Yeah. And, uh... So what I think about it is there's an example of, of a person, you know, like God bless her and her, and her daughter too. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Who just ex decided to accept their fate, just sit there in their chair and be wronged, be the victim yeah. for 11 fucking hours. You're the victim to the point where you're not getting your insulin and stuff like that. You need, you need to eventually say at some point in your life <laughs> that I'm not going to just uh, take it anymore. I'm going to probably have to, yeah. Do something about it. And it's time to speak out. Yeah, even if you're 85, it's a good time to learn. Maybe you got to speak up once in a while. You can sit there for fucking 11 hours, right? I guarantee you, if she was a if she was a pain in the ass, she wouldn't have sat there for 11 hours. They would have yeah. figured it out before yeah. that time. Yep, she's just a nice, quiet old lady. Yeah, she was probably a real sweet woman who was just yeah. thinking, well, they probably know what's best, you know, for yeah. 11 hours. There is a bright side to the story, though, Pete, because uh, the airline made things uh made things right and they gave her two $100 vouchers for future travel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful move by Southwest there. And I like Southwest. I've actually I fly them all the time. I'm flying them to Vegas next month. And uh I like them cuz they don't overbook their flights. There's nothing I hate more than overbooking flights, but a f 200 200 bucks yeah. voucher like and again, this is another example how this woman uh, if she sits there and takes those two in her, and they asked her, when do you want to travel again? She goes, uh, sometime around never, is what she said. <laughs> After that experience, she's 85. Yeah. The chances of her going on another trip are pretty slim. She's yeah. like, take your 200 bucks and shove it up your ass. But what she could do, and especially after getting a little bit of press over it, is... Uh, Especially uh, live from the Dutch Hall's talking about it. You know, it's a big deal. That's right. Everyone knows now. Yeah, and... Uh, she, she she could get whatever the fuck she wanted, couldn't she, if she was being a dick about it. One time I went on eight flights in a year with Delta, Delta Airlines. And uh, I went on eight flights in one year, and they screwed up six of them, right? Six of them got fucked up. Like, sometimes really bad. Like, like overbooked or late or... Always like, overbooked. Overnight layover. Or... Always overbooked. And then when I was trying to leave, they'd say something like, uh, oh, uh, we've overbooked your flight, so but we can get you out on Tuesday. And I'm like, and I'm like, well, we have, like, I we have, uh, you know, business to do in the next two days. We got a point. We got shit to do. We have to get home, right? So I've actually had to go book with like a U.S. Airlines or whoever else to get me the rest of the way home. Yeah. Because the Delta screwed up, right? And I've always found a way. Sometimes Delta helped me. And sometimes I had to find it myself and get myself home. But I've always found a way home. 
And I, so I sent him a message because they gave me fuck off for all that stuff. I think they gave me a voucher one time or whatever. And I'm like, you guys, I, I pinned it down to whatever they gave me, like a couple hundred bucks, same thing. And I'm like, I know I had eight, I had six, eight flights screwed up. I have like, we lost like how much time and you know, like you guys just consistently do that. Like, suffering. How stressful is that? Were, were your kids with you on any? Yeah, well, well, one of them we had, we had, we were in Savannah, Georgia, and we had to get. I had to sit there. I watched them let on. I think they let on like they had so many seats left, and my seat, which I booked before I got there, but they switched to a smaller plane, so everyone got fucked up. And they said C uh, ten, and, and I know I'm fucked as soon as I see that, right? So I go there with my two kids, my wife, go to the front, go to the desk. And I'm telling like I'm seeing they're letting on these single passenger businessmen. Who were getting on, oh, yeah. and they let on like six of them ahead of us. And I said, "I'm we're a family of four. You're letting on friggin' single businessmen ahead of us." And then they shut the door and then said, "You guys are out of luck. You're not on this flight." And I said, "Well, they go. You can go out Tuesday." I'm like, "No, no fucking way. I'm going out Tuesday. Like I got to go out before that." And they said, "Well, we got no flights in this whole airport." I go other airlines. I look at other airlines. I said, "Couldn't find anything on other airlines." I said, "Well, other airports." So they found me a flight out of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And they they paid for a taxi to take us to Jacksonville, and they got us on a flight in Jacksonville, and we flew through Cincinnati and then home again. Actually, it turned out to be a real nice flight home because we had a nice view. They took us over uh, Niagara Falls. It was a nice clear day, and they said, I'm going to do a loop around Niagara Falls before we landed. Oh, Actually, nice. on the way to, to – we were landing in Buffalo. On the way to it, we drove over Lake Erie, and we could see, like, the – uh, Long Point Bay and the and the and the point coming out. We saw Turkey Point. We saw well, you know cool. like Port Dover yeah. and the, all the stuff around where we live here. It was really cool to see it from that vantage point. So it ended up being a great fight, but the pain in the ass we went through. Anyways, my point is, we um, by bitching to Delta even in the letter where I just I put it strongly in an email or something like that and just said that you guys are fucked and I don't want to fly with you ever again. It's going to take you a lot to win my confidence back. And uh, they sent me a whole bunch more free stuff, right? So at least I got that for yeah. complaining, right? But if you take your fate, if you ever accept your fate, you're not going to get nothing for it, you know? Even I just bought a bicycle. I bought a bicycle, a Canadian tire. And, uh, should have bought it on Amazon. <laughs> it should have, right. Did they deliver that by drone? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Drop a bicycle on your house? So um, what were they saying? Oh, we ended up... Uh, there we go. Uh, we ended up, uh, I wanted to go buy a bicycle. It was in a flyer, 50% off. And I said, to, I said, well, 50% off. Um, I'm going to get, uh, so I'll get that bike. Yeah, that's a good deal. So I went to go buy this bicycle. I bring it up and they tell me, well, that's not the right bike. You got to have a 29 inch wheel and that's a 26 inch wheel or something. I said, well, where's the 29 inch one? I got to buy that one then. Cause it's on for 50% off. And they said, well, that doesn't exist. It's not a real product. <laughs> and I, it's a typo in the in the in the flyer, and I said, well, I, well, they must have meant the twenty six then. And they go, well, it just didn't say the twenty six. We can't honor it. And I said, well, that's not right. You guys can't put a sale on a on a bike that doesn't exist and not honor a sale. Like put the you got to honor the sale on the next closest thing. Mm. So of course the poor lady that I was bullying in the store. <laughs> She couldn't uh, do anything about it, but I said, let me talk to, like, somebody who can make this, this happen for me. And they gave me uh, the manager or whatever, and then he right away honored the deal. Like, it took him nothing. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, that makes sense. We'll give you the deal. So just by, like, being yeah. a little bit of a dick, you can yeah. you get it, right? Yeah, speak to the right person. 
That's the second bike I bought from a major chain that I've uh, got them down on the regular price. Like, it's amazing when you can do that. You don't want to do it all the time because then you get a real reputation for being a dick. But like, for when you do do it, it's actually uh, quite rewarding. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't care if I steal from a corporation. You know, if it was a mom and pop shop, I would just give them what they ask, kind of. But if it's a big corporation and they, especially when they make a mistake, like I'll pounce on that like a shark on blood, you know? Oh, like, yeah. I, I just love getting them in there when they fuck up. So, actually, while we're on the subject of airlines, there's another story out of uh, – there's two young Canadian women uh, out of, I believe, uh, Toronto, Ontario. Attractive Canadian uh, women. Do you think so? Well, the one is. Well, they were just granted know, bail today. Her face looks like I can't get my eyes off her cleavage. <laughs> she looks like a real party girl. She goes like a real party girl. Yeah. So there's two Cuba-bound Sunwing passengers who were um, causing quite a ruckus on their flight down to Cuba. They were going on vacation. I guess these girls, a couple, uh, one twenty-five, I think, and one uh, twenty. Th- twenty. How old are these girls? It says police arrested two female passengers who alles- allegedly drank alcohol smoked cigarettes, and got into a physical confrontation on a plane Wednesday evening, forcing the flight to divert back to Toronto. It said... Uh, My the, kind of girls. Yeah, the Sunwing, the Sunwing plane was en route to Cuba when two unruly passengers disrupted the flight. It is reported that the passengers consumed a significant quantity of their duty-free alcohol purchase in the laboratory <laughs> and lit a cigarette, triggering the smoke detector alarm. Now, the thing about the cigarette uh, announcement is how many times have you sat in a plane and you've sat and listened to the cigarette announcement and you're like, honestly, fuck, I get it. Yeah. Like, we haven't been able to smoke for 30 years on a plane. Yeah, that's right. Like, we all get you can't smoke on a plane. And then you read a story like this and you're like, there's still people who fuck around with oh, yeah. smoking still, on a plane. They still have that light up on the thing, that the no smoking light, and it's on all the time. Yeah, like... I can remember being on a flight, where you, a smoking flight, when I was in high school, actually. And that once you got to altitude, that light would go out, and then you could light up. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like your cell phone thing. You could turn it on. It like you could smoke. Yeah, just like the cell phone. But it was yeah, it was just cigarettes, so you could smoke. Yeah. And then uh, if you hit uh, some turbulence, the no smoking light would come on. Right, put them out because <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to burn anything. Yeah, that same light's still there, but it's been on for twenty years. Yeah, just don't do it ever. Yeah. And they announced it, and it's like there was a comedian. I wish I could remember who the freak had the bit, but it was a great bit about like the smoking light. I mean, it was Doug Stanhope or something, but I don't know. He had a bit about the smoking light, and he said, like, we get, we fucking get you can't smoke on a plane. It's like them announcing that you can't own a slave, you know, in <laughs> yeah. today's day and age. So you, you gotta, we, the law exists. We all know it. But here's an example of how people still fucking don't know or oh, push yeah. their luck. I guess if you drink half a bottle of duty-free Kahlua, you might get That's a bit right. of saucy. The fight's the best part. Yeah. They get. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where were we? said uh, they were consumed. They lit a cigarette. These passengers proceeded to get into a physical altercation with each other and made a threat against the aircraft, which was considered a non-credible, non-credible given their condition. So what they're saying is these girls said they're going to blow up the airplane in their drunken stupor. These couple of beauties. Does it say their name yet? No. Anyways, uh, but so. Oh, yeah, I got their names. Oh, yeah. They're 25 and 26. Yeah. They're a Vaughn, Ontario. Leela. Rataminsky, which I think is, I think she's a Ukrainian uh, um, national, but she's living in Canada as a nurse. And uh, Milana Miz, uh, M- Muzikanti. M- Muzik- Muzikanti? Uh, 
She moves a country. She's probably Russian. That's probably what the fight was about. It was a Ukrainian and a Russian. Oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. But what they did with these these guys, they went in the bathroom together and had a little duty free. And then uh, shared a cigarette, got in big trouble, came out, had a fight, probably over whoever lit the cigarette. Because, you know, I told you to get us in trouble. Yeah. And then... Uh, so they in the bathroom together, you think, eh? Yeah, they were drinking in there. I think so, yeah. And then they, had, uh, then they ended up... Uh, they had a call NORAD, which is, uh, which is like the... the uh, I guess the... I don't know what, what it's called. The, the, the... Whatever the body is, like the... The defense body that handles North American yeah, air it's a, travel. It's a binational organization. and they, Just Canada and the U.S.? <clears throat> yeah, and they provide air, airspace control So Canada and the U.S. The, the pilot from Toronto said he's going to have to turn the plane around. And uh, it, it, it prompted the NORAD to send two Canadian military fighter jets to escort the aircraft back to Toronto. So even though they said it was uh, the threat to the plane was uh, not considered credible given their condition, due to the protocols of NORAD, they yeah. had to send two fighter jets. They still scrambled the jets to escort a couple <laughs> Eastern Bloc drunks back to Toronto because <laughs> they couldn't. They got too excited about partying in Cuba that they blew their wad on the flight down too early. Right? They couldn't even wait to open their duty free liquor and get fucked up. They eh? yeah. if these girls would have made it to to Cuba, they would have had a. a I don't think you could have counted the amount of cocks they would have had in them, <laughs> these two girls. Oh, yeah. You couldn't even imagine. They were getting primed for a good time in Cuba. Oh, my God. Look at that one. The one, like, real Ukrainian one with her cleavage out and all her, fa- all her Facebook pictures is her just being, like, a dirty drunk, eh? Oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> they're in serious trouble, though. That they're The charges against them, the one carries a maximum sentence of life in prison. Really? The criminal code, yeah. Endangering an aircraft. It just goes to show you, you know, it it doesn't pay to be just a drunk floozy. You have to, like, friggin' (laughs) use your brain once in a while, ladies. Right. Like, wait till you get to Cuba. It's all-inclusive. You shouldn't even bought the duty-free. You're going to get all-inclusive booze there. Like, spring for a few drinks on the plane. A couple $5 Heinekens, and you'll be fine. Yeah, you get there, and then it's the the good times roll. It's travel day on the way down. You're going to be tired when you get there anyways. It's a write-off. Yeah. Right? You don't have to go full duty free in the bathroom. They really didn't think that one out. No, and, and uh, I'm a little disappointed too because I used to like those Eastern Bloc girls. What do you think? You know, I still like them. Yeah. <laughs> the other one, I don't know. She's a real sleeper. I think the other one was the one kind of holding back the blonde. Like the brunette was the one saying to the blonde, "Like you shouldn't have lit that cigarette." Yeah. And that's how the fight started because she's like, you don't fucking tell me what to do, you fucking whore. Hey? I'll blow this whole fucking plane up. Cat fight. <laughs> I like how the bottom of the article, it says uh, that this is the second. Um... Oh, oh, I like this. So when they dropped them off at the airport, um, they dropped them off back in Toronto and they had to turn around again. And the entire plane erupted when they were taken off the plane with the cheers. <laughs> Inrupt, erupted in cheers when they were taken off the plane. Uh, the entire plane erupted in cheers when they, when they were taken off. As you can imagine, these people were going on their vacation. This is the second time in two months when a passenger disturbance was forced to Sunwing plane to turn back to Toronto. In July, uh, Peel police arrested a 25-year-old Ali... Shahi, Shahi, of Mississauga, after his Panama-bound plane was forced to do, redirect. Mr. Shahi allegedly made a direct threat against the aircraft. And now I would say that um, that's a little slightly different scenario. 
the one, <laughs> the one is two drunk uh, bitches who obviously are out of control and are too excited about all the Cuban cock they're going to get. So they just kind of like got a little out of hand, right? And I think what you did was you kind of killed a mosquito with a sledgehammer with the planes from the fighter jets and all that stuff. But I can understand wanting to get rid of this problem of these two drunk girls. The other one was a guy who stayed on the plane, Ali, whatever, which I can imagine looked a little terrorist-y. Ter- terrorist-y. Hey, would you imagine Ali? Uh. He probably had... 300 faces staring at him the entire flight just waiting for him to twitch or do anything oh, yeah. and he's getting he's feeling really he's uncomfortable like, i'm going to fucking panama for a week <laughs> i work in a call center yeah. and i just don't want you guys all thinking i'm a yeah. terrorist stop staring at me if you don't stop freaking looking at me like i've done something wrong i swear to god i'll blow this thing up <laughs> <laughs> so i think maybe that's the difference i don't give him the same poor guy do you want to we should have done um we should have done uh, Jeff's uh, beatbox thing because this is like things in the news, right? Oh, did you? Do you got it? No, I don't. That was just a big tease. I didn't even do it. Oh, I I forgot. <laughs> I forgot to say one more thing about feedback. We got feedback. Kyle Van Gronigan, who's our good sponsor from VG Packers, or who's got his instrumental in us having our sponsorship from VG Packers, which is going pretty good. I think uh, people have been commenting on uh, using the coupon from the live from the Dutch Hall website. But Kyle said. When he talking about the show, he said, "I don't want you to. I don't want this advertisement to change the show. Don't fill up the show with ads and make it all about advertisements." Right. He goes, "Try to. He goes, I just put the thing on if it helps the show. Good, but otherwise, you know, don't you know, don't ruin the show by talking about my VG meats all the time." That's right. right. But what I a have, great product, though. But I have to say, they're pretty goddamn good meats. Like oh, if yeah. you look at if you actually go follow uh, VG Meats on Facebook because they put out a lot of good things uh, about. Uh, their product and it's good uh, the traceability stuff is really interesting some of the difference in, in quality you get in meat you really can notice and they'll help educate you with some of those articles it's really interesting because it's it, you should be caring about what you eat and and as far as quality goes live from the dutch hall stands behind the quality products for vg meats so go on Absolutely. the live from the dutch hall website click off the coupon and uh and enjoy some of the great products that they have at vg meats they had uh pork belly with pineapple they were showing the other day oh, and like delicious. some uh dry age like f- i think it was some like 50 day dry aged hamburger that they had oh so you could have some real gourmet gourmet stuff like it there's a, if you're a foodie at all and you want you care about eating quality product or product that you know where it comes from uh you would really enjoy the products of vg meat so that's the commercial hope it didn't ruin the show and thanks for the feedback uh to uh kyle I, don't, I should give them applause every week, but yeah. We like VG Meats. What else you got for feedback? We got sidetracked off the feedback there. No, that's, anything else? Oh, well, the one thing that we always do every week is... To see your tits, I ho, hi ho. It is a great song. I'm liking it more and more every week. I wish the sound quality is better. Haitian Dwarf, uh, every week we talk to Haitian Dwarf, and this week's no exception. This feedback, we got feedback, has pretty much been the whole show. But uh, Haitian Dwarf this week gave us five stars again, five stars as usual. And uh, he says, I enjoyed the podcast as usual. Good pace and excellent guests. Which I think, thank you very much for both those. That's really excellent uh, feedback. I like it. Uh, I think that the I should be more sensitive to Mr. Van Dyke's feelings, though. I seem to keep offending him for some reason. 
Maybe I'll send over some frilly panties for him to wear during the podcast so he can be more comfortable. Oh. Thank you, Asian Dwarf. I don't know how you can keep offending me week after week. I don't know if I feel entirely offended. Most of the time, I think when I'm really lashing out at the Haitian Dwarf, I'm really just saying, buddy, you know you got a great skill. You know that you do things that, you know, you, you probably take for granted. You don't see it as a great uh, craft that you've built, uh, but being able to take your own life in your own hands, letting some drunk frat douche throw you against a Velcro wall time and time again. Um, but, you know, I, th- I see it as a noble art. I see it as you sacrificing your own health and your own well-being and your own pride even just for the, uh, the pleasure of others. And that's what I really love about the Haitian Dwarf. So he's selfless, eh? Yeah, it's he's really selfless. selfless. And when I criticize him, when I lash out at him, I'm like, because you, you know you're great at what you do. What I want you to do is entertain the fans alive from Dutch Hall, let's throw you against the wall. That's the main reason I'm upset. And I do thank you for your offer for the pink panties. Send them, uh, if you uh, send me an email live from the Dutch Hall, I can get you an address to send it to. And uh, we can uh, have those pink frilly panties. Maybe it would help me. Maybe if I put them on and I feel, I feel like prettier. Maybe I'll, I'll be I'll be a little bit more creative, a little bit more spontaneous. I don't know. So uh, thank you again, Asian Dwarf, for all your all your. Um... It'd make a great wall ornament in here too. You know, when you're done wearing them. Yeah, yeah. You know, my also. You know, the... you know what you could do? I just thought of this. You could take a picture of yourself wearing those frilly panties. Yeah. And then put them in a little bag with a <laughs> picture on it. Put it in a vending machine. And then sell it. Yeah. Put it right in a vending machine. Life in the Dutch Hall worn <laughs> panties out of a Dutch Hall vending machine. Then you know you made the big time. That's when yeah. you made the big time. I bet your profitability would go way up. Well, that's another, and you could do it reasonably priced too. Like I'm just talking like a buck a pair. You know, I'll wear those things. Oh yeah. Just keep. I'll just be like a like a. It'll be like a factory of just me wearing panties, just putting them on, taking them off, putting them on, taking them yeah. off. You know, kids just stuffing vending machines full of my panties. <laughs> It was nice to see the Haitian Dwarf's Twitter feed uh, fire up a bit this week, too. Uh, he's usually pretty quiet on Twitter, but we got a couple good ones out of him this week. Tweet of the week was from IceGirl60, who uh, I, was, I was criticizing the Haitian Dwarf that he doesn't tweet enough. And the IceGirl60 said, you can lead a Haitian Dwarf to Twitter, but you can't make him tweet. That was the <laughs> – thank you, uh, IceGirl60, for that. Well, we're at 102 in this show. Uh, what I want to do, I think we have one more thing to talk about, and then we'll call it a day, Dave. One more news story. This one it comes from uh, Brazil, and it's uh, mm. it's this is for the young people out there that uh, think um, they think that uh, it's pretty hard to pick up chicks. I don't know, I don't know if the, if people think that's hard because there's so many whores out there. But if uh, if you think it's hard to pick up chicks, there's a place for you in Brazil. Is a community that was formed uh, by a, a number of Brazilian women. I didn't realize it was in Brazil. That makes a lot of sense when you look at these girls. They look pretty good. So there's a there's a there's a town in Brazil that was formed by women who started this town. It's uh, I guess quite remote. It says uh, it's in the it's a small town, quite a bit uh, quite a bit remote from other big centers. And the women started this community. And uh, it's called Novia do Cordeiro or something. I don't even know. But apparently the women in this town uh, say it would be nice to mix a few dudes into the into their community. Um, the one girl, Nelma Fernandez, says, I haven't kissed a man for a long time, said Nelma Fernandez, 23. 
Uh, we all dream of falling in love and getting married. We like living here, but we and don't want to have to leave town to find a husband. We'd like to get to know men who would leave their own lives and and come to be part of ours. But first, they need to agree to what we say and live according to our rules. Mm. So this is a town run by women. If you want to go there, you just go run by the women's rules. Right? And just to give the listeners a real clear you know, picture of what this town is like, there's about 600 women there, and they're all aged between 20 and 35. No, there's one that was 49. Was there? <laughs> yeah. But she looked good for 49. And Brazilian, so oh, just yeah. clean. Clean uh, <laughs> the whole, like, wrapped around the, the private areas. All the bathroom areas are hairless with all these girls. Oh, yeah. The pictures look pretty good. I think if, if I was a single man and not a devoted Catholic and uh, loving husband, <laughs> I would rip through all those broads <laughs> with vigor, with vigor. So I'm saying if I was another man in another life and I was sitting there having trouble meeting girls... I would be getting a plane ticket to Brazil, and I wouldn't say You don't want to go there, eh? Because when I first read this story, my immediate, like, what I first think is, like, you have to go there and live by the, like, the women make the rules, and you got to do what they want you to do? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really sound that appealing to me, but... What if the rules are something you'd like? I don't know. I guess I'd need to see the rule book, but... Or maybe you wouldn't need to see the rule book. They're all looking for husbands. There's like a handful of guys there. Most of them are married to the women that are there. They work in town for the week, and they only come on weekends... To bang their wife. And the rest of the week they get away from their wife. And then they just come on weekends to bang the wife that lives in this Brazilian town. Who's like hungry for his, his uh, manhood when, when he returns from work, right? And not to mention all her friends yeah. are looking at him and thinking about That's right. That's only the married ones, right? The, the 620 to 35-year-olds, there's probably a good bunch of those who are not married. They said there's like 90% of them are not married. They're just looking for some strapping young men to come and... I think try, some try of them, out their way of life. I think some of them are aggressively scissoring on a nightly basis. <laughs> and then other ones have found other ways. Like they, they probably really like being in the company of women are not crazy about men coming and ruining this whole thing. They probably are the type of women who like women, right? I would say. But some of them just like the fact that they built this utopia of, of uh, women-type rules that seems to be working out for them. Like what they said was, one, another quote here. It says, uh, there are a lot of things that women do better than men, said Rosalie Fernandez, 49. Our town is prettier, more organized, and far more harmonious than if men were in charge. When problems or disputes arise, we resolve them in a woman's way. We try to find consensus rather than conflict, <laughs> which is women. If you've ever worked in an office with uh, all women, you will notice that they're all about harmony and uh, consensus. <laughs> They're, they're not about catty bullshit all the fucking time. Can you believe what she said to me? Yeah. You know, like, uh, she's just being a real cunt, you know? Like, that, that, that's what really, I don't yeah. know. I'm just saying, these girls seem like they got worked out. But I'm saying, like, I don't know if that's a universal truth about, about women. Maybe the office girls should try resolving their conflicts with scissoring. Aggressive scissoring. <laughs> oh, I'm not talking about any girls that I've met in particular. Oh, I'm just saying not. in generalities. In any office. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, scissoring, I think, will help. Is that like a, probably an HR thing? Does that come from your wife? Because she works in HR. <laughs> is that one of the things she's trying to... We're trying to put a new policy in, but... Yeah, more is mostly scissoring. It wouldn't work with guys, though, eh? <laughs> <laughs> really? We got a scissor? All right, Bob. <laughs> Meet me in the boardroom. <laughs> 
I think those old those old baby boomers got to rub mustaches. That's how they get. That's how they get over their differences. Uh, is rub mustaches. Stash. <laughs> so uh, basically, I think that uh, I would go down there with the uh, ruse. I would pretend that I was trying to um, to just uh, sleep with, uh, or no, sorry, to find a wife. You know, I would try to find. I would try to tell them I was going to find a wife. So I'd go down. I'd probably make some sort of. Um, communication with them, you know, and then we would, uh, oh, what did I do? Oh, and so I would make the communication with them. I'd line it up that we'd go down to Brazil and I'd say, uh, you know, I want to get to know the community and how it works, see if I like it. And then hopefully I'll be able to find a nice girl, settle down and get married. They welcome me into their community and then I get there and it's just going to be, um, Just me running around Benny Hill style, just, just, just grabbing butts. <laughs> They're all running from me, and I'm just running through the town of Brazil. <laughs> just, I would be sleeping with as many of them as I can, and then uh, miraculously, none of them would work out. None of this, and I would just come back home to Canada and live in, live in Pine Grove. And then hopefully my wife wouldn't ask too many questions <laughs> about the trip. What do you think, Dave? That's a good show, isn't it? Sounds good. Book me a ticket, too. All right, everybody. Well, thank you very much for listening once again to this program. Uh, please tell your friends. If you'd like to, and I, I really do hope, if, anyone can, if everyone can do me a favor to help me move up the iTunes chart again, if you can go on iTunes somehow and just give me a little piece of, uh, of feedback or at least just give me five stars or four stars if you can or whatever you think the show's worth. If you don't like the show, please tell me you don't like the show so I can uh, address your concerns. And uh, follow me on Twitter. Dutch Hall on Twitter, like me on Facebook Live from the Dutch Hall, and share share the posts that'll help uh, spread the word about the uh, the uh, program. And email me at live from the Dutch Hall gmail .com. Go and support VG Meats. Visit the Amazon banner or click my Amazon banner and take care of each other for Christ's sakes. All right, we'll see you next week. Bow. Do it. Oh. We did it again. Another one in the can. <laughs> oh, I gotta pee. <laughs> <laughs>